This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So yesterday I did a story involving the flying spaghetti monster, uh, which is an organized religion. They were in the news recently because in Germany, a certain city was given permission to deny the Flying Spaghetti Monster organization from putting up a sign advertising their services. And I love weird stuff, obviously, and I thought this was kind of a small organization, the Flying Spaghetti Monster. I had no idea that it's a huge organization that's been around for a long time, and so I thought I might do a a deeper dive into the Flying Spaghetti Monster organization For your edification and amusement as well, of course. Maybe you've already heard of the Flying Spaghetti Monster organization. Maybe you're a member of it. I don't know. If you are, I would love it if you called into my station. The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, also called Pastafarianism, (laughs) is a social movement that promotes a lighthearted view of religion and opposes, strictly opposes, the teaching of intelligent design and creationism in public schools. And that's how this whole organization came to be, apparently. The Flying Spaghetti Monster was first described in a satirical open letter written by Bobby Henderson in 2005 to protest the Kansas State Board of Education's decision to permit teaching intelligent design as an alternative to evolution in public school science classes. So this came out of a response to that Kansas State Board of Education decision in 2005, and it then it's just taken a life of its own, apparently. Henderson published the letter on his website. The Flying Spaghetti Monster became an instant internet phenomenon, and now you will find the symbol of opposition to the teaching of intelligent design all over the place. The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster believes that an invisible and undetectable flying spaghetti monster created the universe after drinking heavily. (laughs) I'm assuming booze. According to these beliefs, The monster's drunkenness was the cause for our flawed Earth. That makes way more sense than some of the alternative theories that I've heard. (laughs) So they also believe in an afterlife. The Pastafarians' conception of heaven includes a beer volcano and a stripper factory. (laughs) The Pastafarian hell is similar, except that the beer is stale and the strippers have sexually transmitted diseases. (laughs) You can find all of this in the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. And I'm going to post a link to all this information because it's so funny. And you should share it with your friends. You know, you probably have an atheist friend who's like, Oh, yeah, I can't find any group to get behind. Well, you know, this is one you can get involved in. You get to wear a pasta strainer on your head. Yeah, that's what they do. They wear pasta strainers on their head. They also have a, a very interesting link to pirates. According to Pastafarian beliefs... Pirates are absolute divine beings, and they were the original Pastafarians. Furthermore, Pastafarians believe that the concept of pirates as thieves and outcasts is misinformation spread by Christian theologians in the Middle Ages and by Hare Krishnas. Instead, Pastafarians believe that pirates are peace-loving explorers, and they were spreaders of goodwill, who distributed candy to small children adding that modern pirates are in no way similar to the fun-loving buccaneers from history 
In addition, Pastafarians believe that ghost pirates are responsible for all of the mysteriously lost ships and planes of the Bermuda Triangle. I don't know what's going on in that triangle. Haunted pirate ships? I'll believe that. The Pastafarians' beliefs extend into light-hearted religious ceremonies. Pastafarians celebrate every Friday as a holy day. Prayers are concluded with the final declaration, Ramen. <laughs> Instead of Amen, get it? Ramen, because they're noodles. Oh, guys, come on. These are good jokes. Around the time of Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa, Pastafarians like to celebrate a vaguely defined holiday named Holiday. They also celebrate Pasta Over as a parody of Passover and Ramadan as a parody of Ramadan. These are the funniest religious people I have ever came across. Journalist Daniela Wackenig, a theologian and author of a book on the flying spaghetti monster, sums them up. Alternative religions are associations with the goal of living out their own lifestyle or building their own fandom. But satirical religions, such as the Pastafarians, have a serious concern. Namely, criticizing the special position granted to religions in society. I love the flying spaghetti religion, and I feel terrible that the U.S. refuses to recognize it as an official religion. Please call into my show. Comment on this. What do you think of the Pastafarians? Are you guys Pastafarians? Are there any out there? I want to hear from you. In ancient China, kites were used for weapons. I need to look that up further because that sounds crazy. How do you use a kite as a weapon? Does anybody know out there? This is Weird AF News. I'm your host, Comedian Jonesy. Today is Tuesday, August 8th. Let's get into some weirdness, shall we? Four strippers kill a good Samaritan who helped them change their flat tire. What kind of world do we live in where strippers kill you when you help them fix their car? I'm so baffled by this. Can someone explain the universe to me? Because it's getting weirder and weirder and I can't deal with it. Four adult entertainers took a man's life after he helped them change a flat tire, the police said. Brittany, Ponacia, Joniacia, and Lautatia from Memphis and Nashville have been charged with first-degree murder, armed criminal action, and unlawful use of a weapon in connection with the murder of Ralph Cross. Cross was 55. Reportedly, he bought a new tire for the women, allowed them to stay in his home while he worked on their vehicle. So not only does he change a flat tire, it wasn't even like he went into the back of their car was like, Oh, you got a flat? Let me just use the one in the back of your car. Let me put that donut on it for you. He said, you know what, ladies? I'm a fan of strippers. Strippers have always made me smile. Let me give back a smile to strippers for this one time in my life. I'm going to go buy a tire for you, and then I'm going to change it for you. In fact, you just hang around in my house for a while. Have some noodles, right? I'm giving back to the stripper community today. That's what I'm all about. That's what Ralph Cross said that day. He went and bought a tire, came back. Fixed it for them. Gets in an argument with them, apparently. A witness said there was some argument going on. I don't know what is there to argue about. This guy just changed your tire. I'm thinking he asked for some lap dances. And they didn't want to. They were not on the clock, you know? And I don't blame them. If you're at the club, they're stripping. If they're not at the club, they don't have to do any of that stuff. So I'm guessing he wanted a lap dancer four out of them. And they were like, no, Ralph. No, you did this out of the goodness of your heart because you enjoy strippers. And you're not getting anything extra out of this. It's certainly not getting a lap dance. We're not working right now. What do you guys think happened? How could it possibly go down like this? I don't know how you go from A to B in this situation. I would be a terrible detective, by the way. The women turned themselves in after friends and family had seen their pictures from surveillance footage on the news, and they persuaded them to tell their side of the story. I would love to hear their side of the story. I mean, I don't always believe what a stripper says, but 
when they tell me how handsome I am and how much they're enjoying spending time with me, I'm like, no, that's quite all right. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> so has Jack the Ripper's true identity been revealed? I feel like I should do this with a British accent. One of the most enduring mysteries in British criminal history with a long list of potential subjects is Jack the Ripper. But the true identity of Jack the Ripper may have finally been confirmed after researchers said they had proven the authenticity of a much-disputed Victorian diary. Twenty-five years ago, Ripperologists, as they're called, around the world were stunned by the discovery of a previously unknown memoir claiming to have been written by a Liverpool cotton merchant, James Maybrick. In the 9,000-word volume, a.k.a. Diary, Maybrick confesses to the brutal murders of five women in the East End of London, as well as one prostitute in Manchester. I want to take a break here just to remind you guys that Jack the Ripper is the most famous serial killer in all of England, I'm assuming. He only killed six people. Isn't that crazy? Mr. Maybrick signed off on the diary. I give my name that all know of me, so history do tell what love can do to a gentleman born. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Within months of the book hitting shelves, Ripper experts who subjected it to careful analysis began to question its authenticity. The diary first came to public attention via a former Liverpool scrap metal dealer named Mike Barrett, who claimed he had obtained it through a family friend. Unfortunately, that friend had already passed away, so the diary's true providence was never fully explained. But researchers, led primarily by Bruce Robinson, the writer and director of the film With Nail and I, who have spent years poring over the story, believe they have finally unearthed compelling evidence that proves the diary is genuine. By the way, With Nail and I is such a great movie. It's so funny. I so love it. There's a drug dealer in there that has this great line where he goes, If I medicined you, you'd think a brain tumor was a birthday present. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Back to the Jack the Ripper story. So according to a new book on the saga, the contentious memoir was actually discovered in Maybrick's former Liverpool home, putting him firmly back in the frame as history's most notorious serial killer. I often talk in my stand-up comedy act about social media makes us behave certain ways and makes us feel certain ways. One of those ways is that we feel broke. And I mentioned how it wasn't until I had Instagram that I realized how many people out there just don't have to work. <laughs> just full-time travelers. Nothing better to do than to take a picture every morning next to a waterfall. <laughs> Another fallback of social media is that it can make a few of us act like complete psychopaths. There's a story I came across about a crazy father who's been jailed after a horrible attempt to get Facebook likes. According to the BBC News, a father has been arrested and sentenced to two years in prison after a picture went viral on social media where in the picture you can see the father intentionally dangling what is believed to be his child off the top of a building in a pathetic attempt to get social media likes and shares. The father also had the photo captioned, quote, a thousand likes or I'll drop them. Well, see, thank God the child wasn't hurt. Perhaps because the photo went somewhat viral on the internet, they were able to catch this father and, and put him in prison where he belongs. I mean, this is just crazy. It's a guy like this who shouldn't even be allowed to be a father to begin with. Can't we have tests to be a parent these days? I mean, this is just... <laughs> you know, if you're the type of person that would do this, you shouldn't be in charge of someone's meal plan. <laughs> if you're the type of person that cares this much about what people think of you on Facebook, probably shouldn't be teaching someone about life and how to live it and what's valuable in the world. <laughs>
You got to see this picture too. I'm posting a link to it. This baby is high up. This is a Superman picture. I mean, and the dad's just holding on to this tiny little shirt. Like this is a little tiny shirt. He's holding on one hand. You can see it. I mean, it's just, I'm interested in hearing some of the crazy stuff you weirdos have done for Facebook likes or Instagram likes or shares or what have you. So call into my station and tell me. I'm sure you've done some really bizarre things. Or dumb things. I'm a fan of dumb things, and I want to hear the dumb things that you've done. Share them with the world. If you've shared it on social media, I'm sure you don't mind calling me and telling me and all of my listeners about it. We want to hear it, don't we, guys? Yes, we do. Make sure you call in, comment, favorite my station, and keep on enjoying Weird AF News with your host, Jonesy.